Greetings, podcast subscribers, especially our new members. We have increased exponentially this week as we went from zero whole podcasters to 25 podcast subscribers today. All right. Hey, Fernando, can you give me a little drop in the mix minus? Uh, Fernando's our new sound engineer. I hope he can do a little bit better than Jeff yesterday because I'll tell you, I had to make a correction for my first improvement. I am going to try to watch the Trump inhales before sentences. I mean, I listened to the first broadcast, and a few times there I sounded like a mouth-breathing stalker. Now, that's funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> All right. So I received this week a, a message from one of my patients that was concerned about something that they got in the email, and it was this. I'm going to quote, You need to know that physical distancing with head attire that covers the mouth is an ancient ritual of sacrifice and worship to Satan. Six feet apart, six feet behind, six feet in front with mouths covered. You know, I noticed that they missed left and right, diagonal and vertical there. I think a few of the the dimensions might be missing for social distancing, and they duplicated apart. So it says then to go on, stop complying with satanic rituals disguised as public health measures. Christians, wake up. You need to stop being so gullible. Okay, gullible. Um, Mark of the Beast. Listen, I'm 54. I was born in 1965. And just during my lifetime, these are some of the few things, there's many more, that have been mentioned as certainly the Mark of the Beast by people that I've either known, gone to church with, uh, or were concerned about such things. First and foremost, the Social Security number. Number two, the metric system. The bicentennial symbol, number three. Four, Ronald Wilson Reagan, our president, because he had six letters in his first, middle, and last name. Number five, barcodes. Number six, RFID chips. Credit card chips, number seven. Smartphones, eight. Enhanced driver's licenses, nine. Cryptocurrencies, 10. Obamacare, 11. COVID masks, 12. And now the COVID vaccine, even as of today. Now, you don't have to be a Greek scholar to look up on blueletterbible.org and see that the word for to receive is an active word, didemi, which means to actively give or to take something. It's a definite choice involved. Um, So let's just think about that, plus the distance itself. So let's just look at six feet. Let's think about this. So in 95 AD, the Apostle John was discussing a future event concerning a future world leader that number would be associated with uh, a Greek combination of letters that would equivocate to 666 or 666, and that would be the mark of this one they call the beast or the Antichrist or the son of perdition. Now, think about a foot. This was 95 AD, and he was prophesying of a time later than 2020, obviously. And when was the foot first used? When was the foot first a, an associated measurement with anything that Bible-reading people might be interested in? Well, Henry I of England in 1100 A.D. tried to standardize the foot measurement. He wasn't able to do that very well as they had tried in the Roman Empire or the Holy Roman Empire in the 900 A.D. time when feet measured anywhere from 9 inches to 14 inches. But I did find that the first time that the foot was used as a reasonable standard of measurement was in a book by Jacob Kerbel uh, in the 16th century, and his book was called Geometry von Kunschlichem Feldmessen und Absehen. And he said in that, Stand at the door of a church on a Sunday and bid 16 men to stop, tall ones and small ones, as they happen to pass out when the service is finished. Then make them put their left feet one behind the other, and the length thus obtained shall be a right and lawful rod to measure the survey 
and measure and survey the land with, and the sixteenth part of it shall be the right and lawful foot. So in 1500 to 1600 is the first time a standardized measurement for a foot was used on the continent of Europe that we know of. Now, what measurements were used in Bible days? Just think logically with me. Well, we know about the cubit, which is about the length of a man's forearm, the hand breadth, which is obvious, a span, a fathom, furlongs, stadia, or the Roman mile. Um, And we know, uh, if you've studied the Bible or even been in Sunday school class, that the Bible teaches that there will be one someday who will rise uh, somewhere around the Middle East with a conglomeration or confederation of ten nations in or around Europe with their religious uh, location centered on seven hills, which we know that city to be Rome, and that it will be a one-world government headed by this beast, and that is going to be a future empire that's centered on the continent, very likely, of Europe. Now, what unit of measurement has been used worldwide since 1965 at the very least, even in the U.S. since 1975, and certainly in Europe from 1875? Well, of course, it's the metric system. And it's very likely going to be the measurement system that's used for the rest of human history because it's very scientific and it's based on a rule of tens, and it works much better than the imperial English system of pounds and inches and yards, etc. Now, If you take six feet and you convert it into the metric system, which is what the worldwide system of measurement is now, you get a 1.82 meter distance. Now, how is 1.82 meters in multiple dimensions around a human being somehow the mark of the beast? Further, is a face covering, as this person suggests, the mark of the beast? Well, you might want to ask any bride that wears one who walks down the aisle to get married. Or how about let's go back and look at what Moses said when he came down from the mountain and he made them to cover his face with a veil in Exodus 34, 36, because his face shone. I don't think Moses was participating in something that was the mark of the beast. Was it a sign of the mark of the beast in 1918 during the Spanish influenza for people to wear masks? Come on! Christians, we ought to be the most calm, reasonable, joyous, peaceful, confident, winning people around. Ask yourself this question. When was the last time that anyone asked a reason of the hope that is in you? Are you always ready to give an answer to every man meekly and reverently, which is a reference uh, of First Peter chapter 3, verse 15? Hebrews 5.14 says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. My favorite passage about this, and it really applies right now currently when so many Christians are forwarding and commenting on Facebook and Twitter and posting things and, and just getting so worked up over some of the current events that are so much like every other pandemic that we've ever had. This is not unprecedented. We've had this in the 1950s, 1960s, the 19-teens, of course. We've had it in every century, nearly every decade, somewhere in the world. Think about what James said in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. I've got to tell you, folks, one of the greatest needs and the most powerful cures for what ails us and the stresses that we cause ourselves and others, that we should do what Paul uh, Paul told the church at Thessalonica in chapter 4, verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians, and that ye study to be quiet and do your own business 
and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. I fear that so much of what ails us is worrying far too much about what is far out there out of our control and not what we completely control, and that is what we say, what we do with our own hands, what we eat, what we think, how we work, what exercises we do or don't do, when we go to bed, when we wake up, what we put in our minds, and what comes out of our mouths. We are absolutely, I fear, forfeiting the God-given opportunities of influence and control right in front of us on the altar of all these far-flung concerns that we really can't do anything about in Washington or in other places, in places of policy, places of metropolitan areas where there's strife and contention, and we're throwing away the time that we should be redeeming. I have a verse on my desk that sits before me every day at work, and it says this. It's Proverbs seventeen twenty four. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. We have got to be better. And that's all I have to say about that. And with that, I appreciate your attention and your listening today and your downloads. Please feel free to forward this to someone who can listen to it, subscribe on um, some of the Spotify, of course, Apple Podcast, uh, Buzzsprout, uh, Stitcher. There are some other ones that we have links to on the website at Buzzsprout if you just look up What's Up, Doc. And I really look forward to getting into this more with you because I've been deeply studying the idea of conspiracy theories and how Christian people fall into them and how we can avoid all the contention and anxiety and strife and the counterproductive things that we can say and spread by that. And remember, folks, the reason that I take the time to do this is because we really do want to bless and to serve you. We'll see you next time just in a few days. <laughs> Woo!